Hello and welcome to Trainer Tools. I'm John Tomlinson. Each episode in this podcast, I speak to a different learning and development professional about something they want to share, which is of use to the whole learning and development community. If you want to support this podcast, please go to the iTunes site and give us a positive review. And please share the content around LinkedIn, Twitter and other social media. In this episode, I'm speaking to Paul Tizard. He's an author of five books, three of which have been about icebreakers. And so in this episode, he talks about icebreakers, why bother with them, and if you are going to bother with them, how to actually create them. Hope you find it useful. I'm here with Paul Tizard. Hi, Paul. How are you? Very good, John. It's good to catch up with you after all these years. Yes, yes. Many years since I saw you. But thanks for uh, agreeing to come on this podcast. Pleasure. What are you going to talk to us today about? I'm going to talk about icebreakers. I'm going to talk about why bother, because a lot of people use them at the beginning of courses. I'm quite cynical about them, even though I've written three books around icebreakers. Oh, yeah. I was going to remind you of that fact, that... If you're cynical about something you've written three books about. <laughs> I thought writing about it might end the cynicism, but it didn't work. I'm still very cynical about it, and I don't believe in using them just for the sake of it. I definitely don't believe in using your favourite icebreakers. I think it's very easy when you're a busy trainer to to not take the time to think, oh, I'm, I'm going to put something together special for this course. But it's actually really easy, so I've got some ideas around that. So you, you have written three books about icebreakers, and um, so you want to start by talking about why you even bother with them and challenge some thinking around that. Yeah. How else do you want to structure the? How else do you want to structure this? Okay, three chunks. So the first part is why bother. Uh, second part is the most important factors to consider if you are going to use them, and then the third part is if you've decided yes, I'm going to use an icebreaker, how to make your own. Well, is, is there anything that particularly sparked your cynicism? Yeah, Any I was bad, bad experiences or anything. Yeah, I was trawling, I was run, rushing out the door, and I thought oh, I need an icebreaker because someone had told me you're supposed to use icebreakers. And I was a fairly uh, fledgling trainer, I guess. I've been doing it about six years by then, but I just thought to myself, oh, I need an icebreaker. So I got got this big massive volume down by someone like Gower, and it was all looked really good. But I thought I've got time to read all this. I just want an icebreaker. And by the time I read preparation, setup, materials, time required, etc., etc., I'd lost the will to live. So I just thought, I can't use this. And then I had to go through this matrix to work out, can use with this course, but I can also use with that course and use it with this course. And I thought, so basically, I could use it with about 15 different courses. And I thought, if I was going to use that on a bunch of delegates, I would be insulting them because they'd be thinking to themselves, you just gonna, this is any old thing. This isn't relevant to this. Why we space? I've given up my time for my job, and here I am, listening to somebody find, ask me, "Am I an animal, mineral, vegetable, and how's that got to do with well, <laughs> that sort of stuff?" You know, just think bonkers. And I've done other courses where the trainer said, "Okay, I've I've drawn three shapes on a flip chart, and I'm going to put them on the floor, and it'd be like a triangle, a wiggly line, and a." a box and they say stand in the one which is most resonates with you and then they come out with some sort of pseudo psycho babble nonsense about oh well if you stood on the square one that means you like things to be in its place and you're an orderly person nonsense 
And so you've got all these people that are senior bods in their company standing on bits of flip chart paper, which I don't have a problem with that, but it's just not linked to anything. So my main beef was that if you're going to do an icebreaker, and that's precious time at the beginning of a course where you've got their probably their most if they're interested you've got their attention if they're not interested that's your chance to win them over and then you make them stand on a flip chart with a picture of a square drawn on it and wonder why they don't like training so <laughs> that's, what, that's what really wound me up yeah i think that would have wound me up as well <laughs> I've never had to do that as an icebreaker. Well, I had to do some funny to, stuff, yeah, but yeah. I think I'd have stood on the squiggly line. Yeah, well, what that says I don't know what that means. Is, I don't know. It means I like squiggly lines as opposed balanced. to squares. Yeah. Probably. Probably. That's fairly accurate then. <laughs> well, maybe I should revisit that. I'm going to use it again. <laughs> so... Uh... <laughs> So you, uh, so you had these sort of experiences which you found to be wholly unsatisfactory and just uh, not an appropriate start to professional training course. So what was it that made you then turn around and start writing books about icebreakers? I sat down and, and realised how easy it was to write your own. And I just thought, I should flog these. <laughs> it was actually, it was one of those things. I, I, I was thinking there must be a quick way to do this. So I went on the internet and then up came management pocketbooks. And I thought, oh, they're pretty good. They're pretty snappy. I'd read the trainers one, the presenters one. And I thought, they don't have anything on icebreakers. And I'd bought loads of their books over the years. So it was in my mind. I thought, oh, maybe they've got something on icebreakers. I had looked through it. They didn't have anything. So I thought, this is a bit... It's a bit crazy. So I had a couple of courses coming up and I was thinking, how can I start in a snappy way where I can do something which is linked to the course content, but is still an icebreaker? And um, so I couldn't find anything. So I wrote a couple of my own um, and realised, actually, it's quite straightforward. I, quite, I, I thought it was quite punchy, quite easy if you didn't spend too long writing out all the materials and stuff. So, And then a bit of fortune happened that went to the cipd you know that thing that happens every every year where you um, the conference yeah, it. that's it prance around earl's court and stuff and watch loads of uh you see some really good stuff but it's also a nice way to network and all the rest of it but i was wandering around and i saw the pocketbook stand so i just walked up to the, the people on the stand and said um i like your books and and they said, oh, we recognise your name, because I obviously must have bought quite a few by then. And then maybe they said that to everyone, but it worked on me. And I said, yeah, I've, I've, always, I've always bought your books. I said, you, you've got nothing on icebreakers. And um, it just so happened the editor was there, and she came over and said, well, have you got some ideas? And I said, actually, I have. So I sent her five different ideas for, by email, literally the next day. And she liked one of them, said, yeah, all right then. <laughs> it was really tricky. And um, I think the main hook was, I said, look, you know, people, this precious time when you get people away from their job, you need to put some thought into it. I think icebreakers are important if they're done well. If you do it badly, you could lose the group's respect or rapport before you've even got into the content. And then because they're classroom captives and they have to sit there for nine hours until you tell them they're allowed to go to the toilet or have a break, they just they just feel like, oh, no, they're losing the world to live. So I was thinking, if you could turn that around and think, well, okay, if these were guests in my house and I wanted to sort of make them feel welcome, what would I do? Would I 
get them to do something really boring for 15 or 20 minutes and then bore them for the rest of the day? Or would I try to make them feel welcome and included and everything was relevant? You know, so I, was, I just kind of approached it like that, just saying you know, it's an extension of just being a, a professional trainer is that if you're going to do an icebreaker, do it properly and put some thought into it. And, and out of that was born kind of how I then do icebreakers. So when people come around for dinner at your house, you don't put make them stand on a flip chart of a squiggly line? I, I do, actually. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Before we feed you, I need to know your wiggly line. Are you a square? <laughs> yeah. So I suppose that leads quite uh, neatly into how you said you've wanted to structure this, because given that the fact that you came at this quite cynically and you, you know, had felt that icebreakers weren't doing what they were supposed to do, why bother? It is a good question. Why bother with them? Presumably, you think they do have value. Mm. Well, I think, I think the moment where I made sense of it when I was studying transaction analysis, and part of that they they have something called rituals. So it, it basically there's about five or six stages that you go through that hu- all humans go through when they communicate with each other. And the beginning one is where you kind of do that positive murmur, you know, pass the time of day. Uh, and the old idea being is that, you know, that stuff when you say, oh, how was your journey? Or oh, what's the weather been like? All that sort of past yeah. timing, they call it. Argue about which road is the quickest Yeah, one. all that sort of. But what you're doing is you're sort of checking each other out and before you would then divulge the next level of information about yourself, oh, so where do you work then? It's still sort of fairly safe in the hierarchy of things, but each of these stages is important before you get to the point where you trust them enough to work together. And when you work together and there's an element of trust, then you open up, your brain's more receptive, you know, there's tons of research around that, but just you're trying to get them to sort of untense so if a a bunch of job titles arrive in your courses and a bunch of job titles leave at the end of the day you've failed because you haven't got them to just be humans in the room together so part of the ritual that transactional analysis recognizes is that humans go through these basic stages before you then trust them enough to work so there are shortcuts obviously if you get people if you instantly click with sense of humour, something like that. That can often bypass some of the um, the pastime stuff. We can all relate to that. But that's a bit of a risky one. So you tend, pe- humans will tend to sort of suss each other out. So that, so I wanted to find a way to say, well, if this is something which has been recognised in TA terms for years and years as an important part of building rapport between humans, how can I manufacture that in a non-manufactured way? So when people come into your room, they're looking around, there's a slight awkwardness. So all these ideas about using music and sort of welcoming at the door all helps to sort of placate those parts of their brain which are scanning for threat. Will I be made to look at an idiot? What's the trainer going to be like? Will I going to be put on the spot? Oh, yeah, all that type of stuff. So what you're trying to do by bringing them in, welcome them properly, do all the little bits. You know, we all use the accelerated learning techniques now, don't we, to make the rooms look appealing and perhaps people use smells. And all of this stuff is trying to reassure them that we're not going to make you feel silly like you may have done at school. So in they walk and then they sit down 
And then the first thing that a trainer has a choice to do is either go burble on about oh, well, the exits are over here and and just sort of, I don't know, creep into some nasty start to a course. Or they can do that and say, right, let's get started and give out an activity or get them to do something, which is involves, of course, sharing names and all those basic information, but also get some thinking about the course content straight away. So the very easy, you know, the easiest, obvious ones, just you have a couple of questions, which they then discuss and, and feedback to everybody else, but they are totally linked to the course. So it's not just who you are, where do you work, but it's also something that might be linked to the actual content. Well, I'll come on to that in a minute. So that's the why bother is to meet that human ritual. So I still think there is a place for it because if you've ever you must have experienced this. If you go to a meeting and it just kind of kicks off and you feel like, well, I don't know everybody in the room and um, and half the people seem to know each other and they're talking about stuff I don't really understand, but I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to look stupid. So I'll just kind of, I'll just keep quiet and not really contribute because I don't feel safe. And that's that happens all the time in meetings or get-togethers of humans. So I think there's a place for the basic ritual of, Who's in the room? What do you know? What do you have to offer? That type of stuff. So it's a leveller. So rather than job titles, it's humans with concerns, etc. People aren't going to risk saying, well, actually, I'm very, very nervous and had a difficult night's sleep last night thinking about today's course. Uh, they're more likely to say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I've, there's a few apprehensions I've got about the course, and um, but I'm hoping to address those today. So they're still in a very safe area, but at least they're kind of talking about it. Which brings me on to point number two. So that's the why bother thing. Mm. It's about this, you use transactional analysis, the ritual process, but there's other theories as well about how groups, the importance of belonging in groups and things like that. And it is about getting people into a state where they trust each other and are willing to learn and share and all that, take risks, I guess, because you've got to take a risk to learn something. So you do think it does have value? Yeah, I think so. I mean, also you've got the amygdala, if it's does what we believe it to do which is a sort of a, a threat detector in the brain in the sort of midbrain that is constantly scanning for danger so and whenever that's activated creates more adrenaline person doesn't listen doesn't relax they're on edge hypervigilant etc etc so you're trying to relax that part of the brain and just say you know it's all okay it's, it's all okay this is you know you're safe we're all adults no one's going to be put on the spot unless of course that's the purpose of the course but generally you know you want people to feel fairly relaxed do you think do you think these days with i mean people are fairly used to going on training courses it's often not going to be their first time they're going to be in an environment which they have a certain amount of expectation of safety and professionalism do you think this still applies that people's amygdalas are going to be firing off and they're going to be kind of going into fight or flight mode well if you're Old gits like us, John, probably not. You've probably been around the block a bit and think, yeah, I know about this. But not everybody's our age and lots of people still coming into the workplace may have not experienced so much sort of official adult training, might have come straight from university. It, I, I still think there's a place for it. And it doesn't have to be that I want everyone to feel safe. But what you're trying to do is get, get to a place and most trainers that you've got listening to this will relate to this where the room feels welcoming yeah and you can't it's i call it 
it's like a, a a trainer intelligence that you kind of you could link it into emotional intelligence if you like but you just get a feeling the group's with me and you start to relax yourself and as you relax you get better at your job you become more intelligent yourself because you are you don't feel under threat so I guess there's a two double-edged bit to it that it does help them to relax, but it also gives you a chance to sort of ease yourself into the group and suss out where are they, who wants to be here, who doesn't want to be here, what do I need to do to win these this group of individuals over? So it, there's a selfish reason to it as well. <laughs> yeah, I think I recognise that um, feeling that you get when this, it does feel like the group's ready to... Yeah. ready to learn there's a sense of tension uh, apprehension in a positive sense hmm. ready readiness so the next part if i may jump in and just say that if you're going to do something icebreakery is to consider two factors which came from john townsend's book which is around risk and energy so okay this is the second part of yes. how you wanted to structure mm. this right okay so if you are going to do it, a sort of a basic thought before you even get into what you're going to do, you can think, well, how do I want this group to feel? So if it's, for instance, I don't know, a course such as presentation skills, the chances are they're quite nervous anyway. And most people will be thinking, oh, crikey, no, I don't want to be put on the spot. Don't want to put... So you've got to, you're going to lead them up to it. They know at some point they're going to have to stand on their feet. So you have to make a choice. So some trainers will think, well, it's presentation skills, let's get them up on their feet straight away. But what you're actually doing, that's a high risk and high energy activity for a group that aren't ready for it. Now, if you had, I've been on improv courses, you know, improvisation courses, and they, the people that turn up on those courses, even though they might be quite quiet or introverted, reserved types, you know you're going on an improvisation course and you know that straight away you're going to get you're going to end up hugging someone within about 11 minutes of arriving because that's the way they kind of warm you up quickly so on a normal course in a corporate world people are not for that they don't want to sort of be i've seen improv trainers come in and say look i know how to ice break the group i'll get them holding hands with each other and stuff like that so oh these, god no yeah exactly so you've got these uh. executive, executive sort of going along with it <laughs> holding hands with each other going yes i'm happy to be here <laughs> it's death so the first thing is i would tend to go for if in doubt go for low risk low energy which is in simplest speak is the paired interview so if i if we turn up on a course together we don't know each other even if I'm quite quiet, I can introduce you. I can tell the group about you because I'm not talking about me. And so the pressure isn't really on me. I just need to ask you three basic questions and tell the rest of the group about it. So that's my lowest level of risk, low risk, low energy intro. And from there, you can always slightly increase it. So if you want the group to be collaborative, you get them to be collaborative straight away. So you put them in group of three and say, pick a spokesperson for each trio. That's even less risk because the person, the bravest out of the three, will speak up. It's still very low energy or med low to medium energy. So it's easy. People can do that. They can they know the drill and it's very, very safe. If you want to up the risk, then you have to, you, there are consequences with that. So if you do think, right, I'm going to get them to stand up or I'm going to get them to introduce themselves. For some people, that's fine. But what tends to happen, because now the risk has gone up 
and just and you've done it just as we increase the energy slightly no one's listening to anybody else because they're thinking oh, what shall i say oh there's only four more people to go they're not listening it's a, it's a waste of time so genuinely go for low risk low energy and then do something straight afterwards so that would be my starter if you want to then if you want to you want to build that into an icebreaker you might just do the the slight sort of what i'd call the the linked opener so you say so find out who that person is what they'd spend most of their time doing they can answer that how they want is a very open question so it doesn't put anyone on the spot so if somebody's only works two days a week they don't feel like they have to justify themselves they can say well i spend most of my time enjoying myself at home you know it's fine they can answer however they want and then you say the third question will be linked to the course content so this the obvious one is what do you know about assertiveness already but a more interesting one would be okay you're in a supermarket queue and you're stood you're waiting there's only one queue and there's five of you in the line and somebody cuts in front of you. You've been waiting for ages. They just walk straight in and cut right in front of you. Now, today's course is about assertiveness and assertiveness is about choices. In your pairs or your threes, come up with five choices you have. So straight away, they've done the name and all the rest of it, but they're, they're already thinking about the course content and the ideas before you've even introduced anything. So it's a very safe way of linking the icebreaker to the course content. So it's then seamless. You can you can basically you could talk for an hour on the back of what they come up with, or you could just say, those are great ideas, we'll come back to those later, but you've got choices already and you get a sense of the group's knowledge and they're already contributing and being part of the course content. So the two factors that you're talking about there are risk how much risk you want to take and how much energy you want to create. Mm. And, and in general, the way you prefer to do it is to start low risk, low energy, and then bounce that into a into a bigger activity afterwards. Unless you've warned them that it's a one hour fast paced and be prepared to take a risk. Because if that's all primed, if they've been primed to expect that when they turn up, then you could just literally come in and say, right, okay, in the corner now, <laughs> you could do whatever, but because you've, you've warned them. But for the, I'd say nine times out of 10, go for low risk, low energy, and then jump straight into something else afterwards. Yeah. So that was, so they were the two factors from the John Townsend that you mentioned there, energy and risk. And the last part you were talking about how to actually create your own icebreakers. Yes. So do you want to talk us through that? Okay. So the idea is, the challenge is, take a topic any topic that you're going to run and then think to yourself i've got i've got a number of ways to get this across is there a central point to my topic so for instance with assertiveness if you had five minutes to tell somebody at dinner i don't know why you talk about it but maybe imagine you you know conversations drying up and they said oh give me a five minute definition of assertiveness could you do it and i would wager that any course you could sum up in five minutes. What's the core? What's the core messages or the themes of diversity? What's the messages of coaching? What's the messages of appraisal skills? What's the message? You know, la di da. If you can do that, you then 
you've got the basics of, well, what's the main message I need them to take away? Because if we accept the idea that the transfer of learning is some shocking figure like 20%, that means me banging on all day, they'll probably remember up to the first break. So that's not very much. So if I know that I've got some core messages that I'm going to dance around, I need to get them up front and keep repeating them. The old cliche is that, you know, any slimming book you buy, essentially the main message is move a bit more and eat less. But they dress it up. There's a story around it and there's lots of strategies how you might get to this supposed nirvana. But that is the rub. And I would I would say that every single course has got three or five main things so if you take assertiveness you say well what's assertiveness about uh respond don't react assertiveness is about being able to make a choice assertiveness is that there's different behaviors and you have to learn it so that's just off the top of my head so and then techniques what does assertiveness look like well it looks like people look confident what does confident look like well if you could boil that down to three behavioral things You've got the beginnings of a course. So I'll give you. So if if I had to, I'll make one up right now. Okay. Here's assertiveness. I haven't pre-planned this, but it just popped into my head. I'm going to test you later. Well, I want you to, yeah. And then I'll do an epic fail. Uh, assertiveness. So you get those bendy men from training shop. Yeah, you know, the fiddly, yeah? fiddly things. Yeah, like yeah, those bendy men or women. They're non, they're non-gender specific, to be honest. But those bendy people. They look quite male to me. Do you think so? I suppose they I, haven't, look I, haven't checked, I haven't checked them out, but you, you could be right. Um, so I just, if you throw out one of those to every group of three and say, okay, make this bendy person look assertive, every single one of that, that group could do that. And say, so if, if you all know what assertiveness looks like, why aren't you assertive all the time? In pairs, discuss, or you could just do, but you know, straight away. So it's it's tactile, it's kinesthetic, it's visual. They can see it. They will definitely. If you ask them a year later, what do you remember that course? Um, There was a nice lunch, and we played with some bendy men, and that's the reality. So if you can find something which is quite impactful and gimmicky, novel, straight away. They'll never forget it. And it's totally linked to the course content. And then you could extend it, say, all right, make them look passive or submissive, make them look aggressive. We all know what it looks like. We all know what assertiveness is. So basically they can do that. And you say, well, thanks ever so much. You you know exactly what assertiveness is. Thank you for coming. I hope the course will be useful. <laughs> now I'm going to spend the next <laughs> eight hours nine, just repeating everything we've just covered in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> 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 but that is essentially, if you can get the main messages out straight away, then they're already there. They're with you, you know. That makes so sense. when it comes to, yeah, that no, makes perfect sense. So, so when it comes to actually creating your own, that's what you're saying is you've got to boil it down to your that elevator pitch or five minute dinner speech yeah. about what are the key learnings of the whole course, and then find a way of find a way of turning that into an icebreaker. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you how it started. It's going to sound, it may not translate very well, but when I first used to train coaching skills and I was trying to get across the fact of people that it takes more time at the beginning than it does later. And I thought to myself, well, what's that a bit like? So I was trying to think of a a metaphor, an analogy. And I was thinking, oh, you know, what is it like? What's it like? What's it like? And then this idea popped into my head as it does in one of those unguarded moments. And I thought it's a bit like 
planting a seed to that grow that your hope will grow into a decent plant so when you first plant a seed whether it's in your garden or in your house you have to give it a lot more attention to begin with you have to give it make sure it gets warmth make sure it gets water make sure it gets some attention you might want to talk to it i don't know whatever you do but eventually something will happen it'll start to grow but it'll still need quite a bit of attention in the early stages but once it becomes stronger and more sturdy you don't have to water it as much it doesn't need as much from you and i thought that was a good way to think about coaching and so i've used it as on courses when i'm introducing coaching i go around and give everybody say pick a seed from this box of seeds and they say well i don't know what i'm getting okay well it's just a seed pick the one you like the look of and you can make links to recruitment and all the rest of it and say okay so how does this link into coaching do you think and they'll go it doesn't you've you've lost your mind and they say come on think about it think laterally how does this link into coaching well i suppose a seed's a bit like a new member of staff okay so make it grow then and they look at you like you're an alien so go on make it grow and so they we can't make it grow well, why can't you make it grow? Well, we haven't got the resources. Okay, so what do you need? Soil, water, pot, etc. So I give them all those things and go, there you go. Then they plant it. I go, now make it grow. Well, I can't make it grow. So therein lies another thing. You can provide all the conditions and you can do your utmost, but essentially also is reliant upon the seed to want to grow. And some seeds will remain dormant forever and others take for take a while to get going and some grow really quickly as it is with people and so people quite although it's a bit sort of out there people often quite like it because it's physical and they have to think about it and that sort of analogy tends to i don't know if it's, it's an analogy it's an analogy isn't it tends to stay with them yeah i quite like that i think that's good so that was the beginning that was the first one that i wrote when i was trying to introduce coaching in a slightly novel way and then I just, that was it then. I sort of thought, oh, well, I wonder, if, why doesn't everybody do this? This is obvious. Do you use real seeds and real soil? Oh, yeah. Not stunt seeds or anything. Actual real seeds. <laughs> no, it's the soil that was concerning me. No, yeah. For, you the, me- to, for yeah, the mess it's, issue. It's an, there's an element of preparation, but the thing is, people yeah. will never forget it. And that's it. Yeah, you would have to, to prepare that. Make it memorable. And as long as you can lock it into key messages, you put more effort in to begin with, you provide the conditions, you have to put the effort in to start with, and then you don't have to put in so much later on, you know, typical coaching stuff. And then if you're on a wild day, I might say, what's the water like? And they'll say, oh, that's like praise. You sprinkle it on, and you know, what's the soil like? That's the environment. But um, I don't always, I wouldn't do that with a, you know, a group of IT people because they might just think I was bonkers. But, you know, with a group of, I don't know, I'm a stereotype, but if you had some very creative types in the room, they love all that. Yeah, I think that's good. I like that. But that's the idea. So find a couple of core messages and then find a way to to bring it to life. So that one's slightly more elaborate, but you can do easier ones. So we've talked about why bother (laughs) with icebreakers at all. And, you know, you talked about the importance of the, the way humans initially interact using transactional analysis to sort of illustrate that point. And then you've talked through the two two elements you need to consider, the risk and the energy. And then lastly, how you do, how you actually pull all that together by focusing on what is the core messages of yes. the course. Yes, that's it. So it's now my turn to challenge you. Go on then. 
It has to be a right, course okay. I at least would, you know, have a vague chance I would have heard of. But uh, why? Yeah, I, yeah, I, no, of course. Yeah, that no, was going to be fair. That's going to be fair. <laughs> but I want, I want, I want maybe more than one go as well. Okay. All right. First of all, I'm going to say I'm doing a course on managing change. Mm-hmm. How many people? Twelve. How old? Um, they are thirty to fifty. So they've experienced lots of change already. Yeah, ma- most of them. Are, most of them have. Um, and and they associate they tend to associate change negatively and usually with job loss how risky do you want it moderate moderate risk um do they know where the venue is yeah they all work for the same okay. organization right okay i would consider doing a few things there these are quite moderate risk the obvious ones are people will arrive and they'll all sit down where they want to sit next to people they know. And they sit down, they get ensconced, they fold their arms and they wait. And then if you wanted to make it risky or you wanted to bring up the idea of change, you've got to introduce. So I, you could maybe do something like uh, say, OK, underneath your seat, there is a number or a, a character, a Pooh Bear character, you know, like. So there's going to be Tiggers, Pooh Bears and eels find the character underneath your seat now find all those that have the same character now you're sitting together they didn't like it you've done to them it was a bit of change then you could just before you do anything just say okay now could you introduce yourself to the people you're with and the third question in that very now getting safe-ish you say how did it feel having the change imposed on you what was the good bits what was the bad bits how could I've, how could the trainer have dealt with it better? You know, so so I'm I'm just giving some off the top of my head. You could do it if you want to be more. You, when they've all sat down, you just walk into the room and say, "Oh, actually, um, we're next door," <laughs> and you go in there and there's a, a fantastically laid out room, which is um, which is not the one they're in. And you just say, "So you've got a choice. You can stay in the room you're in now, which is a bit drab, or you can go to this new room, which is looks a bit different." That's good. I like that. A bit more, a bit more difficult logistically, but um, yeah. but a nice, really nice but idea. They'd remember it. Yeah, they, they definitely would. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely lots of different things, you know. But the sort of forced moving people around thing is quite fun to do. In the sense of, I, I quite yeah, like annoying you've people. You've got to be brave. I've got to say this: if there was a point for it, would be if you're going to do these things. It's a bit like when you look, first learn to be a trainer, and you get taught if you ask a question you need to wait for them to answer. You know, that te- deathly silence, you have to learn, you learn to sort of count to 10 in your head. You know that? Yeah. In, and I remember someone saying to me, you've got to take a risk. You've got to trust that someone will answer. And the same with these things. If you're going to do them, you've got to go for it. Like you've done it hundreds of times and you really enjoy it and you know it's going to go well. Even inside you're thinking, oh my God, what have I done? Because if you don't sell it or don't go commit to doing it it just it's a bit like those you know someone stands up and says or thinks oh someone's told them start your presentation with something funny and they're not funny but and so they sort of come out with this half badly delivered joke and you're just dying it's a bit like that so you just need to just go for it if you're going to try something out the worst that's going to happen is it just won't work and then you can talk about that i took a risk today and that didn't work out are you willing to take a risk today with the learning? You know, so you can always 
<laughs> crawl your way out of it. <laughs> True. Okay, I'm going to give you um, a, a low-risk example. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to end with a high-risk one. So this, the next one is a, a low-risk one, please, for interview skills. And there are 10 people on the course. Because they're doing interviewing, these are people that are going to be interviewers, not interviewees. So they've already sort of been around the block a few times. They're sort of all 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, they don't know each other. Okay. Maybe something like, so you want low risk. I would prop, get them to, here's the lowest risk ever. <laughs> On your own, just come up with what you think is the best question that you've ever been asked or you've used. What, what's your killer question? But keep it to yourself for now. Now, once you've had a thought about that, then go over, turn to the person next to you, and as part of your way of getting to know them, ask them this question. They don't have to answer in an interview style. The point of the exercise is just to compare what great questions and what knowledge there is already in this room. And then write them up afterwards on the flip chart and just praise lots of time. It's an easy way to just praise crikey look at the experience or whatever in the room without doing it in a cheesy way okay that's nice that's a good low risk one right? yeah no i like that it's good it's good you put me on the spot I know, Jonathan. I, know, I am i am and i'm going to do it one more time before before we draw this to a close so i'm now going to be delivering on a leadership program so i want it to be high risk because i want these people to be way out of their comfort zones quite early i have broken the ice a little bit in this example because i want to go fairly high risk so these are people that are in, you know, middle to senior positions. Not senior, senior, but, you know, clever people, high performers. I've got them to kind of introduce themselves, so there is a little bit of warmth and energy in the room already, but I want to go high risk. There's, there's 16 of them. High risk. Are, are you using any core um, leadership models with this, or is it just the beginning of a leadership programme? Uh, well, it's the beginning of a leadership program, but it will be based around the Future Engage Deliver model of Steve Radcliffe. Okay. I would then, if you want to go really high risk, and this is really risky, maybe something like uh, a Shakespeare speech. They're going to stand up and be videoed by a passive individual in the corner of the room, all 16 of them, one after the other, bang, 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 get up and read about 30 seconds worth of this speech and then sit back down. And as they're doing each of these, every delegate rates that individual in terms of impact on a scale of naught to 10. And then afterwards, we review the scores. We can look through the videos. and But obviously, with the input, the, the purpose of part of the training would be thinking about every moment that they are out doing their job they're in the limelight and they won't always have time to prepare. They won't always know the stuff they're going to talk about. And they've still got to give a strong message, which is compelling, engaging, impactful, la da And this was just putting them well out of their comfort zone. How's that for risky? Yeah, that is quite risky, isn't it? Especially right at the start of a programme. Yeah. But you met the challenge, Paul. I threw three at you there <laughs> and you. I, I think you met the challenge. I have to accept that. So... I did not know what you were going to ask me. I just to say that. <laughs> no, but that, that that's good. I'm gonna I'm gonna think about those because those are three courses that I've got coming up in the next uh, few weeks. So <laughs> I'm gonna think about all of those. Um, that's right. I'll pop an invoice through. Yeah. Eight quid. 
So thank you very much for that, Paul. I really appreciate it. That was a really interesting um, interview. And do you want to just Pleasure. do you want to just tell everybody what you do, where you're from, how they could get in contact with you? Yeah, my name is Paul Tizard. I've been working as a learning and development human for approximately 19 to 20 years now, uh, 13 years freelance, six years employed, and more recently I'm working on a contract in the city uh, as a learning and development manager. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. The city being London, and if anybody, um, yes, if anybody wants, does want <laughs> any more information, they can look at the Trainer Tools website, which is trainer-tools.com, and they will see your short biography and photograph on there. Cool. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks, John. So that was me speaking to Paul Tizard about his approach to icebreakers. So thank you for listening, and see you next time.